The bell's rung, and welcome to another episode of the Icon Showdown Podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hennigan, and with me today, again, is the illustrious Scott Allen. How are you today, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. I'm not going to like to hear. I was going to make a joke about illustrious, but that's <laughs> No, no, let's just let that one go. <laughs> All right. Uh, today, we were going to be showdowning 1996 uh, Scream versus The Craft, two fairly well-known horror films. I think this is going to be uh, a showdown for the ages. Had you seen them in the theater, Scott? Uh, I did see Scream in the theaters, but uh, I did not see The Craft. I believe I was... was it Freshman or junior? No, freshman or sophomore year of high school, and I didn't have enough money to see both. Yeah, I was still uh, at the end of eighth grade when um, The Craft came out. That was May of 96, and then it was that subsequent winter that we had uh, Scream. So end of eighth grade, and it was the beginning of freshman year for Scream for me, and this was around the time when my parents were, were finally kind of letting me see um, rated R horror movies. I could see rated R action movies, but this was finally when they kind of like allowed me to be a little more corrupted by the evil, the demons. So as you guys know in the Icon Showdown podcast, we have six criteria that we go through and then we rank them as we go along um, to determine which is the most iconic of the year. Um, as noted, we're going to start with The Craft because that did come out first. That came out in May. So we're going to start with the antagonist. Who's the big bad in this, Scott? Uh, it's got to be the... Oh, man, what is her, what is her name in it? Uh... Nancy? Is it Nancy? Yeah. Nancy. Nancy Downs. You know, I think it's interesting that you couldn't remember her name because I think it's a very strange name for a witch. Nancy the Witch? Well, they're all just, all the names are just kind of forgettable. True. You have Bonnie, you have Rochelle, and then Sarah, uh, who is our kind of good witch. Um, but yeah, Nancy is our Feruza Balk, who you can argue is the head of the coven. Um, well, let's talk about all of their motivations, but more specifically, what do you think is Nancy's main motivation for become like being evil for when she starts to do the evil deeds in the third act? Why does she do this? Uh, it seems like uh, she was just unpopular. She also had the, uh, the problem with Chris Hooker played by Skeet Ulrich, you know, where mm. she, had, she had mentioned that they had a, a fling and he turned her down. She just see revenge more most and then maybe just power. Yeah, I think so too. I think revenge and power is accurate. And if you if you do remember, she did mention that he gave her some sort of STD too. I'm um, sure Serpies. That messed with her um, her mind and her trusting people in general, even her close friends, her fellow coven. I think she has a hard time trusting as a whole. Um, beyond her, uh, what, what do the other girls want? Why do they uh, dabble in the dark arts? Uh, Bonnie, uh, that's Nev Campbell's character. Uh, she definitely is, uh, just wants to be, she has burns on her back. And then mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's burns. Maybe it's just a massive birthmark. I don't, they didn't really, I don't think they explained exactly I think it was, was burns, but yeah, they didn't explain how she got burned. Yeah. So she definitely just wanted to be more beautiful and, and eye catching. And she, that, that brought her down a peg or two, just being very insecure in high school, which is a horrible time to be insecure, but you know, we all are. And then there True. was, uh, what is it? Rochelle. Uh, Rochelle. Rochelle, her, Rochelle. Her, hers wasn't as clear to me. I think, uh, I mean, she had a problem with, I think she was the cheerleader or the, the popular girl of high school was kind of right. a racist and uh, racist. Played by her. Christine Taylor, Ben Stiller's wife. Oh, yeah. Wasn't she also uh, in a Brady Bunch? Indeed, Brady Bunch. She's in Zoolander. She's uh, She makes the rounds. Uh, yeah. So I, I, hers is uh, just more about. Uh, I, mm, I think hers is, I think hers is kind of about the, 
It, well, it's the racism angle with her. We'll get more in that deep, deeper meanings. But ultimately, Christine Taylor has um, very overt racist feelings towards her. In fact, to the point where she's not exactly calling her the N-word, but a variation of that. Um, I mean, which, it was like comically racist almost. It was it was a strange. I hadn't ever really heard that one used before. I don't, I don't really want to repeat it. Uh, but watch the craft if you want to hear. Um, Christine Taylor, Ben Stiller's wife, get her racism on. Um, what about the aesthetic? What about all the witches? Do they look like witches to you? No, but I think that was kind of the point, though. Uh, and... Feruza does. Feruza Balk looks like a witch. Am I crazy? What, the the teacher? The, the, the store owner? No, no, Nance. Oh, the store owner. She's like a good witch. Um, she kind of had a, a more... Oh, uh, yeah, Nancy. A mentor vibe. But Nancy, our, our, yeah, main, okay. our I mean, main villain here. I think she was... I mean, she's not, you know, she's not ugly. She doesn't have a long nose and, like, the typical idea of what a, a witch would look like. She she has, like, exaggerated features for sure. Um, I think that's kind of why, it might be why they picked her a little bit. She did look a little bit more witchy, but really, they all still kind of just look like, you know, high school girls for the most part. That's true. And it's a little awkward dissecting, yeah, high school girls. But these girls were in their 20s at the time. But even then, we shouldn't necessarily dissect them. But I think it could be argued, objectively speaking, she was probably the least attractive of that crew. Granted, attractiveness is subjective. But I think that grin of hers alone is kind of scare-inducing for me. And she doesn't have kind eyes from what, I'm, no, what, she's I, what got, I saw. She's got crazy eyes. She does have crazy eyes. Uh, what did you think about her voice? Feruza Balk's voice? Did that have more of a, a witchy flavor for you? It did a little bit. It's almost screechy at times, and she really wanted it to be, and almost like lazy, but also and a little raspy, intense. too. She was she was uh, shown to be a, a cigarette smoker, too. Yeah. So there was a coarseness to it. Um, originality in terms of our antagonists here? What did you think about that? We got some high school witches. Have you seen it before? I don't think so. Um, well, um, not, I mean, I've seen witches before plenty of times and different varieties of witches, but uh, I mean, they kind of fit certain stereotypes. That's true. Yeah. Um, in terms of each girl kind of fitting their own archetypal slot, um, that wasn't necessarily super original. But I mean, uh, witches go all the way back to Haxon, the 1922 film about witchcraft. That really focuses more on. Um, the worshipping of the devil. We kind of got a little bit of that going on, and I would say one of the more original parts of the craft is that they kind of spin this devil um, entity that they ultimately um, invoke as uh, a being called Manon. I'd not heard that before. Had you heard of Manon? No, no. I assumed it was just made up for the show. Oh, possibly. Yeah, I didn't do the research into whether or not that's actually um, some sort of deity, but he was kind of like a hybrid of God and the devil is the way they put it. He's, he encompasses everything. He's beyond just what God is, who they, in the film, I've heard know, frame as created by man. I always thought it was, maybe I did, maybe Mana, maybe, what was it? It's, it's spelled M-A-N-O-N. Yeah, it okay. sounds like Mana, the way they were pronouncing it, but okay. it's actually Man-On. Okay, yeah, because I've heard of something called Mana, mostly in yeah. video games before, but... Yeah, sure, yeah, that's like the life force, right? So maybe, yeah, yeah those are, are connected etymologically. Um, I, I, there's also, we can mention that uh, that same fall, so this came out in May, um, you have the first TV incarnation of Sabrina the Teenage Witch coming up. Uh, I'm sure it was already in production by the time this got released, but I'm sure it didn't hurt. The producers knew there was this big blockbuster about witches coming out, and that subsequent fall you have... Uh, Melissa Joan Hart is Sabrina, which of course was a comic um, from the 70s. So we do have this idea of a teenage witch 
um, living in pop culture prior to that. When did that? Um, uh, what was the the witch movie with? Oh man, the big one. Oh man. Uh, the four uh, is the four witches is the hocus pocus. Topic. Yeah, hocus pocus. When did that come out? Uh, that's a good question. That that's mid nineties too. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think the craft hocus pocus, and I would argue the new movie, The Witch, are kind of the epitome of of the genre of witches. You got kind of. Uh, a subgenre in each of those. You got kind of the funny, spooky Disney version of Hocus Pocus. Everybody's seen Hocus Pocus. Um, I think most people have seen The Craft that are at least a little bit into horror. And now The Witch, I feel like, is the starkest version of that. You kind of got the uh, uh, exponential growth there in terms of, of horror. This being kind of the middle ground. All right, fair enough. Uh, do you want to want to go ahead and rank this now, maybe? What do you think in terms of pentagrams? What do we want to give it in terms of our big bad Maybe even like the the coven as a whole, or I mean, it's not it's not something I, I initially think of. I mean, I think of a lot of things when I think of uh, horror, especially in the uh, late '80s, early '90s. And this one never really pops up for me as far as the characters mm-hmm. by themselves go. Um, it's it's more of a whole thing. So as far as I give it a two, I think a two. I, yeah, I almost think that's generous because for me. I was struggling to remember when I was going to rewatch it. Was Nev Campbell the lead or was it Robin Tooney? I couldn't remember at that point. I think that's a problem. Um, but I do think Feruza alone is worth a 1.5. So I would say the way that Nev Campbell kind of gets her evil on in the third act. Um, and even uh, even um, Rochelle, who I really never understood why she went evil, she does become a bitch. That, that scene in the bathroom alone where they intimidate her and say, maybe you should leave the planet. I felt like they were, they were pretty scary in that moment together, like mean girls extreme that can kill people sort of thing. Um, so I'll go two. I'm, I'm down with your two. I would initially go on 1.5, but I think it, it deserves a two. All right, now we pop over to the antagonists in Scream. Who do we got? Uh, I mean, you got uh, 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 Billy Loomis and, and Stu. Is it Mocker or Maker? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure how you that pronounce it. Yeah. Billy and Stu. Billy and Stu. What Which? are their motives? Uh, I, I mean, uh, they both have kind of separate ones, maybe. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. Skeets or, or Billy Loomis was, he just he kind of just kind of wanted to get back for uh, his dad. Yeah, his dad was having an affair with the her Campbell's mom. mom, right? Yeah, and then his mom left, and oh, my mom left, so it's your fault, kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. Matthew was just a, a, a follower. He was just his good friend. I was like, yeah, I'll do this. I don't really have a motive, but uh, you can talk me into it. Yeah, uh, Stu's is less clear. I think he's, um, I mean, you could argue he's corrupted by film, right? He loves the whore, and he's also kind of just a psychopath follower of Billy. I think Billy is not necessarily somebody you would say no to either. I think we can, it can be implied that Stu and Billy, since they both killed Maureen, maybe they got messed up or something because I think Stu is drinking during the during the final party um, he's very impressionable but you're right it's less clear um, than Billy's which is kind of this weird Oedipal thing going on then too because he's then with Sydney, who you know resembles the daughter of Maureen Prescott and so it's kind of like I don't know I don't know there's weirdness going on there psychological stuff in Billy that I don't necessarily see in Stu I think he's just um, he's more that twisty what made Scream awesome kind of thing was you didn't see the two coming um, when I initially saw it, at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a, it was a constant of whodunit, which is why I love the movie. I was like, oh, he did it. No, wait, no, wait, he did it. Wait, no, no, he did it. 
Who did you that? initially think? Do you remember when you first saw it? Who you, who you really were kind of assuming it was? Well, it, it went who I saw first. <laughs> so at first I was just like, oh no, but it was it was uh, it was Billy Loomis. And then I think, oh no, wait, her dad. And then I think I was like, uh, at some point I thought the, sh- the, the sheriff deputy do it. No, no, <laughs> okay. not deputy. I mean, yeah, eventually deputy. Oh, like, the sheriff. I thought the sheriff okay. did it. I thought everyone at some point. Everyone. They they kind of made. I think did it on purpose. They kind of made everyone seem like no, oh, he could do it. Here's a little True. hint. Um, yeah, that series is ah. really good at doing that. I mean, I do remember the initial scene, and I blew my mind. I was just so into it, like trying to figure out who did it, looking for clues. I know. The first scene is amazing. We'll talk about that when we get to the fright factor, because, yeah, that one, I don't know. It's probably an upper echelon of scary scenes in any horror movie ever. Um, okay, so let's talk specifically about the aesthetic of Ghostface. He wasn't going by Ghostface at that time. Sadly, they call him directly Ghostface in this newest TV version of Scream, which wasn't too good. Um, what did you think? Let's. I mean, now it's a little camp value. It's overused, possibly. But if you were to transport yourself back to that 1996 first viewing, was it an effective costume? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's it was so effective, uh, and it's kind of an uh, it is an icon of, of horror. It's it's right up there with I'd say with Freddy Krueger and, and uh, uh, Mike Myers. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it it was almost a character upon itself. Like when I saw. Uh, Ghostface. I never was thinking. Even when I, after I've seen it a couple times, I was never thinking of Skeet Ulrich or Matthew Lillard inside the costume. It was just mm-hmm. kind of his own little thing. Yeah, it's like Death himself almost. I mean, it does give off sort of the Grim Reaper sort of vibe combined with a ghost. You don't know who, who it actually is. There's this see-through sort of villain, but at the same time, it's in that black shroud which I think makes it all the more effective because you kind of have the, the shape of the mask itself kind of looks like the way a ghost moves, you know? Um, so I did think that was effective. And even more effective, I feel like, is uh, the biggest staple of the film, which is the vocalization, right? Oh, yeah, the little toy box that they had, the boy's toy yeah. box. Yeah, the altered voice, and I think that's part of what makes that first scene so scary is, is that voice. You don't know who it is. You know it's altered. And it's like, I can't think of anyone that talks as much as Ghostface does that sounds as scary. To me, that that altered voice box is is one of the scariest. I mean, Freddy's a little cheesy, right? Jason doesn't talk. Michael doesn't talk. Uh, Chucky's a little over the top. Well, the um, thing with, with Scream is you, you never see him and hear him at the same time. He only talks pretty much over the phone. Oh, that's, you, that's a good point. You, you never hear him when he has a mask on, or them, or whoever it is, but yeah. That's true. Yeah, the disembodied voice, um, super effective, big part of the uh, totality of the film. Of the film, um, originality. What do you think? In terms I, of I our kind of, I, um, I want to give it a four. It has to be a four. I mean, he's so iconic at this point. Like, I don't see how you could rate him less. I've got to ding them point five points because uh, having seen Popcorn for the first time. Uh, they they use that voice box thing. They use the creepy voice uh, to communicate over the phone um, with the lead and that's mother as well. Um, so the voice box thing uh, and, and intimidating call, I feel like is not super new. The way they did it was awesome. But I, I want to give it a four too. But after seeing Popcorn, I feel like, are you willing to go with me on this 3.5? I think so. It's, oh man. I want to fight. I want to fight, but I don't understand it. <laughs> it <laughs> is. He is. It is an iconic a, figure, and he turned it an iconic I know. figure. All right, I let's mean, give you got to say. Well, I would say I would give it a four if you thought it was just as impactful as Freddy Krueger as a, as a character because they're both Wes Craven. I mean, I think Freddy is more. 
I do think Freddy is more iconic. Um, That's fair. I think only I because Freddy is one individual, and over the course of the screen movies, and even in the first one, he's not just one person, which I think maybe can be a ding in terms of antagonist in itself. He couldn't have done it all in that first movie if it was just one person, you know? Yeah. Uh, three, right. 3.5? I think I, I just talked myself 5. back to the 3.5. All right. 3. Let's pop back over to the craft and talk about the ensemble. We kind of talked a little bit about them already. Um, in terms of the character development, did you think they were all fleshed out enough? Not all of them. Um, and not super well. Uh, Nev, Nev, Nev's character, I felt, was pretty fleshed out. Mm-hmm. That Bonnie. Um, yeah, because you got to actually see her with her mom too. There was multiple interactions with her mom, and then the doctor as well. And they're trying to get rid of her scars. Yeah. I do think she—that's what made I think her turn at the end more potent for me than even Feruza's, who, who you could see was already like fucked up. Um, but not not the much same sort of like intense uh, affection or that that Feruza felt that I that I saw in Nev's character Bonnie. I felt like. She was too meek and sweet to then have that severe of a turn. Um, but I think that had to do with seeing her interact with her mom and being so grateful about losing those scars. Uh, what you about... You, yeah, oh, I mean, you, you definitely saw her, her change, uh, her, her style. Her, her, her character made a definite change when she got the, the scars taken off. And from that point on, she's a completely different character almost. Definitely. Um, and I, I definitely think that uh, Rochelle's character is given a little bit of depth. Granted, it is kind of all pigeonholed into this, the racial issue. I, I appreciate that was there, but I didn't see a lot beyond that from her. Did you? No, I didn't see anything really with her. I, I never really saw anything change, and I, and I didn't really understand her point other than the, the, the racial issue. Because you never really, yeah, you never saw her parents. You never saw anything other than just this subtle teasing, really. Um and even her character shift because she did kind of shift at some point, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really. I think it was just it was kind of sudden inside of the car when she was just kind of laughing maniacally for no reason almost. And then after that point, her character was just sort of a, a dick. Do you think it's possible because they really kind of go off the rails that the Bonnie and Rochelle once Feruza Balk has um, summoned Manon and is using her, his power? Is it possible that these girls now are kind of toadies, and whether they like it or not, they're going to be following? And it just so happens that Sarah herself is such the good witch and imbued with so much power that she can't be under the same sort of maybe like super spell that Feruza Balk's Nancy has over the other two. Yeah, I think that was definitely intended, especially inside the car when they're in the, the Mustang, which I have a whole thing mm. about that money. Anyway, so yeah, the, when they're in the Mustang, they, they, they were in the backseat and they're also just kind of laughing like, I don't know, it doesn't matter what was said, they just kind of laugh because they're having fun, and they just seem more like puppets than anything, so, I mean, they definitely, I think, intended on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, Campbell's character, Bonnie, she actually had a progression, and it made sense. It's just, you know, right. uh, uh, Rachel and Rochelle, whatever her name, that Rochelle Zimmerman in, in the movie, just didn't really. It was just kind of a sudden snap. Nancy had a good progression, too. Um, it kind of sucks that she didn't, like, enjoy... I mean, not becoming white trash essentially was like her wish in a way. She gets out of that, granted, at the murdering of her, her stepfather, right? Or her father-in-law. Um, so do you think that's the moment where, where she changes and there's no turning back once she's killed him? Or do you, th- or do you think the moment that they kill the uh, homeless guy early in the movie is really where there's no turning back? Well, I think killing the homeless man was the arc for the characters as a whole. Um, oh, okay. And I think it just kind of broke it up. Like that was what cemented them as, yo, we are a four. Uh, let's do this. And then 
uh, Nancy's character, Feroz's character, uh, killing probably her dad. I would say yeah, it was kind of like a no turn, no turn back sort of situation. Like, well, I can do this now, so let's go full speed ahead. Was there any one-on-one interactions between the girls, with the exception of the one moment with Rochelle and um, Sarah, where she's like weaving the the hair of the bully girl into her hair? That is the only moment where I feel like I saw just one-on-one, with the exception, of course, the good witch, bad witch battle at the end. Are there moments where you kind of get a sense of their individual relationships? Because you, from what I saw, we pretty much only see them together. Did I miss? No, I don't, I don't think so. If they did, yeah, again, it was just the... Uh, it was Sarah and, and Nancy's character that were... You could definitely see their impact with each other. Um, I think the other two were just sort of there. Yeah. They, they weren't, yeah, I mean, again, you felt more for Nev Campbell's character, but, um, yeah, I don't think, yeah, no, I think you just, you really know about the other two. Um, in terms of the peripheral characters, really quick, I just want to talk about three. What did you think about Skeet? Skeet is our Chris, our kind of a jerk-ass jock who gets the oh, love man. spell put on him. I love Skeet Allridge. I, uh, <laughs> he is he, I love it. He was in Scream, too. Yeah, he's just a poor man's Johnny Depp, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's really uh, like enthralling to watch there is something about him there is like a, a sinister undertone to like even in this in this role granted he's not the murderous killer as he is in scream but i don't know when he's uh trying to rape her ultimately that was kind of one of the scarier moments in the whole thing because like like she puts it you saw something in his eyes and i think the audience sees that craziness in his eyes too he's and like, it's he's... a different kind of crazy than feruza balk's crazy Something about Ski Alrich. I think if, if Johnny Depp and uh, Steve Buscemi and they had a baby child, it would be Ski Alrich. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I see that for sure. Uh, they all they all have very very uh, peculiar faces or unique faces is probably the better way to put it. Um, in terms it. of oh yeah yeah the other two peripherals I wanted to talk about really briefly is did the dad do anything for you because he had a lot of scenes actually Sarah's dad. Uh, what did you think about their dynamic? Uh, it seemed genuine. Not nothing stuck out. Is this guy's a phenomenal actor? I mean, I never was thinking, oh, he's acting. Uh, I think he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah, that's true. I didn't necessarily like buy their father daughter bond, though. If I'm honest with you, because they, they really tried to push it. There's the scene right after Chris dies where he's trying to say, "Snap out of it. You'll be okay. Get over it." And then the opening scene, ultimately, where he scares the homeless man with a snake away. I don't know. I just really didn't see their connect. They seemed like on yeah, different I wouldn't, planets. I don't know if I would blame him for that one. First off, that was a weird scene. What was this random homeless dude with a snake? Yeah, that's true. It didn't true. make a whole lot of sense. And then even her, uh, uh, was it Robin Tooney? She comes off as dry almost in her acting in this in this whole movie. So she doesn't seem very <sighs> She's bland. receptive. She's receptive to emotion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't deny it. I I liked all three other girls in terms of their uh, performances better. Granted, I don't necessarily think Feruza Balk is a good actress, but I think for that part, I liked her. And it's not that Robin Tooney's a bad actress. She's just not, like, iconic in any way. When we she's, talk not a, about... she's not at all emotive. Right. Yeah, a little too, a little too bland for me. Um, and we talked about the diversity. We don't even see Rochelle's parents at all. So we literally only have one person of color. And her race is actually like her plot point, which is not ideal. Um, was there anyone else that was bad? I felt like mm, the the drunk father-in-law was kind of shitty actor, too. Uh, Nancy he he seemed bad. like, what was uh, 
was that aqua teen hunger force oh uh, yes carl is it carl yeah the neighbor he seemed a lot like the neighbor that's a good point. Her mom was pretty good, though, especially when her mom is like uh, suddenly has money in the apartment, has her jukebox. I kind of enjoyed the mom. She had a little flair. I do. Uh, this might come later, but I do love when her thing was like, you got a, a was it $160,000? And they're like, we won the lotto. It's like, that's going to last you two <laughs> I years. Know. That apartment in L.A.? Oh, my gosh. What? No. I mean, it's at least yeah. $5,000 a month. So they're just going to drain that. They're, they're nuts. <laughs> Even like, even, yeah, yeah, that's and then she has a car, and it's just asinine. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that couch, that was one pretty looking couch. It was kind of hideous, uh, though, wasn't it? Ensemble pentagrams, what are we giving it? Ensemble, wow. I feel good. I mean, the ensemble two. is part of what makes this movie memorable, though. I gotta say 2.5 on it, because I did like Neb's performance. I didn't think Rochelle was bad. Uh, I don't know. She's she's kind of the you, you always remember her as this freaky ass witch from it, even more than that the might other. be true. I give it yeah, I'll get a two point five just because of two point five is a bulk. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the ensemble of Scream. Um, Ooh. I know, I know, it's really good. I mean, let's start there. Is there anybody that misses the mark for you? No, no. And which is funny for me is Liv Schreiber. Got a name out of this, and he wasn't even in it really. He was just in like, <laughs> like a, a on TV moment. Yeah, the news oh. snippet, right about the actual murder. Yeah, uh, is that is that really where he started? I this is the first time I as a, ever. As yeah, a, me I too. Heard probably of Schreiber, and then all of a sudden, yeah. like everyone knows who this guy is now. And I, you got it. I point. mean, Scream kind of did it. I mean, maybe Scream too, whatever. But we're not talking about that. But yeah. Oh yeah, even the uh, most minor character, minor character was Henry Winkler was great. I can't think oh, of Henry anyone was who was in it. who was bad in it. Um, I mean, you could argue that Jamie Kennedy and Arquette are not the best, but I think they fit the roles so well, and they really grew into the characters as the uh, subsequent movies. Or actually, Jamie Kennedy kind of doesn't because we know what happens to him in the second one. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I mean, we don't, we're not going to talk too much about it. But um, in the second movie, Jamie Kennedy was initially supposed to be the killer. So oh. he was supposed to have been working with Billy and Stu. Which um, would have been initial incarnation. Would have, which would have been fantastic. It would have been so much better. It would have been way too. better. Uh, and I do like Jamie Kennedy's character. I think he did a great job. I think he played what he was supposed to play really well. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I, I yeah. I, I guess uh, I don't know. I, I, I think they're perfect for the part, and similar to like the Feruza Balk, I don't necessarily think either of them are like good actors, but they were so perfect for that role that it didn't matter, you know. And the way that it's written is just so strong. And he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. But I mean, what has Jamie Kennedy done since, sort of thing, you know? Or uh, no, this was his peak. This was by far, I think, his peak, and yeah. he and, and he peaked hard. Like, I could also argue he's such a memorable character. He's such a memorable he character. Is. No, you're right. He 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 made the movie. Him and Stu, I feel like, make that movie. Um, personally, uh, but I feel like uh, Courtney Cox isn't that good either. I don't, crazy? I don't mind her either. I think I don't maybe mind not. her because I love the movie so much. But I'm definitely jilted. Of... I this came out yeah '96, freshman year of high school. This this one blew my mind. I remember watching it and just being like, yo, this is this is the best horror movie ever made. <laughs> I, I hear you. Um, and I do think they all do phenomenal with their roles. I just think about which of them have actually had a career afterwards. And when you're thinking about their actual acting ability in it and beyond, I do. Uh, 
Nev probably has the biggest career. I mean, Skeet had a little bit of momentum. Matthew Lillard had a little bit of momentum, too. SLC Punk is amazing of his, where I think he proved he can act. I think Um, David Arquette kind of had... He popped after this, I think. I mean, ready to rumble sort of stuff. I mean, did he ever do anything of substance? I'm not sure. I I don't know, but he he became a household name, I think, after this. It doesn't hurt having the last name Arquette, but yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm not going to the movies to see David Arquette, though. You know what I mean? There's a chance I would go because Nev Campbell's in something because she's that good, I think. Um, but yeah, but this, did, I, would you say this movie? I mean, she was already, was it Party of Five before this? But this is right. her big shot, right? This oh, like, yeah. This is definitely yeah. her big break uh, in terms of film. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, it sounds to me like you want to give it a four again. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Very ensemble. Uh, it's 96, man. I am prone to yeah, like 96 okay. stuff. I, I, I do know all the characters. I know all of their names. I know what happened to every single one of them. Um, I mean, as we talked about, I didn't even have to rewatch this one because I've seen it so many times and know what the hell is going on with it. I, I, I hear you, and I think that has a lot to do with the ensemble. So I'll give it a four. Especially I gave it on the uh, 3.5 for the antagonist, so I'm with you there. Um, let's talk about the surviving characters briefly in the craft because... Everyone lives. That's do you true think it would have been more effective if Robin Tooney, or not Robin Tooney's, but um, Feruza Balk's Nancy died at the end? No, I like the fact that she didn't. I love seeing her in a, in a cell, just freaking out. You know what I mean? Is that worse than death? I th- yeah, way worse. Think about it. Because she, she would be going insane. You, they took her powers away, right? So can you imagine having this, I don't know, it's probably like a week that they had these powers, really, maybe two weeks, right. I don't know exactly, but, and you have these unlimited powers, and all of a sudden they're gone, you would be like, yo, am I going in true? I had yeah. powers. What the fuck? I would well, be in a cell, too. That's a good point. Um, talk about that more when we get to deeper meanings, but I, you just made me realize it is kind of like she's going through withdrawals. It is like a drug addiction for her more than the rest of them. Um, what did you think about the means of escape, that final showdown? Um, did that work for you? Uh, it wasn't super spectacular. Nothing was new about it. it I didn't it really seemed, like it, to be honest with it was you. Just kind of quick action for the most part. They did some cheap stuff with the, the mirror. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't yeah, super impressed. She, she got it. taken down so easy. First of all, you have um, Sarah go invisible or whatever, even though she's crushed by a. Did she go through the wall? Did she get her kitty pride on or something? I was a little confused about that. Was she Here's just what invisible? Not made a whole lot of sense for me. Uh, was most of the magic that they had was glamour magic right so right, it's just yeah. making you see what you what they wanted you to see true and if you're getting crushed by a thing i don't care how unless she wasn't there to begin with but she was i mean she should have been crushed by that i don't think they have they can float i don't think they ever that's why i think she went through the, the wall i feel like it was I, a kitty pride sort of thing and then she like went back into her clothes like and then firmed up or whatever the hell because if I she was guess. invisible she'd still be smushed yeah, oh yeah absolutely and I just, they never really said that they could do stuff like, they could move stuff around. That, again, maybe that was just, they were introducing that power in that moment, but it seemed awfully, yeah. uh, you know, convenient. But actually, that's a really good point. Um, we can even bring that back to deeper meanings, too, in that these girls have these superficial, like, looks powers. All they're concerned about necessarily is the way things look, or to change your eye color, to change your hair color, um, or to or be... Uh, desirable enough in the eyes of uh, Skeet Ulrich's character to be wanted. You know what I mean? It, it has all to do with when it looks. I, I just, just thought of that um, now. There's something there. Uh, determination to survive. Do you feel like she wanted to live? Sarah, specifically? Let's kind of focus on her as a surviving character. Yeah. 
I mean, she... Despite having tried to kill herself prior? How she tried to kill herself? I don't remember that scene. Um, well, we don't actually see it, but we see the cuts on her arm, and they talk about it when they're going to the magic shop for the first time. And that's kind oh, of how the yeah. character uh, that was, kind of yeah, that was, there. That was before the scene started, or before the movie started, right? Yeah, okay. But Yeah, I mean, so, I mean... She's tried to throw away her life in the past. But they explain that with her mom died uh, like a year. Oh, no, she died. No, she died when she was born, right? Was that how her mom died? Right, yeah, through childhood. Ah, okay. I mean, I don't know. Depression, cut yourself. Interestingly, both of our leads here have dead moms that have affected them and have pretty much like run the entirety of the plot via the dead mom. I I do. I I can probably bring bring this up later, but I do feel like those characters are, are pretty interchangeable. All the witches? No, Dev Campbell and Robin Toomey's oh. character, like oh, uh, yeah. Sydney Prescott yeah. and Sarah Bailey. Like you could you could switch the two out, and it'd be very similar characters. Yeah, no, I see that. Um, the only other reason I want to kind of argue that, like, uh, I don't know if she really wants to live that bad, is because she does run up to her room like a chicken when she should be running out the door. When the three girls are there in the climax, and they're like, "We're gonna make it look like you killed yourself." And then she just like runs up to her bedroom to cry on the ground. I don't know. She didn't seem like a really strong final girl to me. She wasn't no Sydney, is what I'm trying to get at here. Oh yeah, no, she was no Sydney. But again, it's hard to. I mean, you're in high school, man, and there's some crazy shit happening. True. What would you do? I think I would. I probably no. I probably run outside. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't I'd know run outside I, for sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I would do, but I mean, yeah. But what if she? She wasn't as strong of a fighter. Do you did you did you remember? Because I, as I mentioned, I didn't remember that Robin Tooney was the lead when I went back into it. I kind of thought Nev was for a second, then I remembered. Um, what about this final character in terms of her iconic status? Is Sarah is Bailey is her last name? You remember her? I I do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I remembered her um, mostly because of the actress. I've seen her do other stuff. Um, I think. Can you she... give me one example? I can't remember anything else she's been in. I can't. The thing is, I I swear to God, I've seen her before. <laughs> like I don't yeah. even like I'm I'm gonna bust up right now then because I know I've seen her in, in plenty of stuff. Ah, oh, I think okay, it was a TV show. I think what was it? Oh, Empire Records. That's probably one of the oh, there things. you go. Okay, she's the one that shaves her head in Empire. But Records. she was also in a, a somewhat long lasting TV show. Did uh, you watch it? What was it? I I did see it. Hold on, I'm not. Oh, The Mentalist. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's, that wasn't that's for me. Um, but, you know, next to Sabrina, she is probably the good witch in high school that I'm most aware of in pop culture. So you got to give her that. I can't think of any other good witch in high school. Can you? No, no. I def- definitely she's second to uh, Sabrina. So what do we give her, pentagram-wise, surviving character? Ah. Uh, I feel like a two- Two is fair. It might be a little generous, but yeah, let's give it a two. And let's head over to Sydney Prescott. Um, who else survives other than Sydney at the end of Scream? Uh, let's see. Sydney survives. Dewey survives. Gail survives. Uh, we're not sure if Stu survives, but he, he, he probably doesn't. Um, Stu was supposed to be the killer in Scream 3. Yeah. Mm. And then, was it Randy, obviously? Jamie's character, he survives. Uh, Barely. Doesn't he get shot? Or no, he gets stabbed? What happens to Randy again? Oh, he get he gets shot in the shoulder. Okay, all right, just shot um, in the shoulder. But he comes back for comic relief, as as his character does. What um, is Sydney's means of escape there at the end? Let's do a quick rundown of that that final battle. She was ultimately saved by Gail Weathers. How so? What what happens? Um, she, she uh, towards the very end, she was hiding, which is a great scene. 
she was hiding, I think, in the bathroom, and uh, Billy opens up the door and looks inside, but like for some reason doesn't see her, and then turns to the left, and then she comes out wearing the ghost face and stabs oh, him with an umbrella, right. and then oh, cool. so they fall, and then I think he gets on top of her and is about to stab her, and then that's when Gail comes in with a gun, finally okay. with her safety on, and then and then shoots him. So All right, well that's good. Um, then we got serious female empowerment going on there. Um, and oh, dude, I mean, you could almost this... argue Gail is a final girl too. You know, she has such a big part in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. De- de- definitely. What I love about this movie too, though, uh, I, mean, I don't know, but like, yeah, all the women were outstanding, and all the men were shit. <laughs> That's kind of true. <laughs> like it was... Poor Rose McGowan, because we both know uh, what, what had to happen for her to. But get But even that part. she put up a fight, though. She put up a massive fight too, though. Oh, true. Well, no. and, and I got to be honest with you, that's probably one of my least favorite deaths in it. I, I it like, was the I like most the, up till the actual death, you know? I like the uh, little stocking in the garage or whatever, but a little cheesy. I don't think it was the best, uh, what is that, animatronics or whatever with, with her legs kicking. Yeah. I don't know. Took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, we can save that for the, was it the door? Oh, yeah, yeah. Fright Factor, Fright Factor. Um, acting ability across the board, we kind of talked about that for surviving characters. I think Nev is, is pretty phenomenal um, as a whole. Yeah. An iconic status for a final girl. You can't you can't get more iconic than Sidney Prescott, I think. I think she, the I only mean, one that comes close is maybe Laurie Strode. Who, yeah. who else, just in my who, history of all horror, comes close, do you think? Oh, yeah, she's, she's up there. She's even in the movie. Laurie Strode's in the movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, I would say she's definitely top three final girls in any horror ever. Oh yeah, give Sydney, her a four. You know? Easy. Yeah, we gotta give her a four. Um, okay, heading over to the setting of the craft. What did you think? Do you think it was effective? Did it help? I mean, it did. It was. It's kind of funny. Both of these movies are very high school focused. Very distinctly different high schools, though. They um, they were. We have the Catholic high school, which I've taught at, and I felt like they did really well, kind of showing what a cult it is and how ultimately bullies are able to get away with more shit there for some reason. Um, I, I can attest to that cult-like vibe uh, and how there's very little to no diversity involved either because it's going to be a school that you're paying to go to. And generally, I did feel like it was spooky due to the ideological setting just as a whole. There's a lot of history and, of, and thought manipulation. We both know how I feel about, you know, ideologies uh, like that. So I, I thought it kind of worked um, in the context of witchcraft. Yeah, no, I liked it. And it yeah, it, it kind of had to be in a Catholic school. Yeah, right? I think it did add to it. What about Sarah's um, home? Did that work for you? Was it like, because I feel like I know, we'll talk about that in a second, that I know Sydney's home, like inside and out. Yeah, no. Do you her, feel her that home same was way? not it. Not not as much. Uh, I do not remember, as much. It was still kind of badass though and twisty. I, I, I did dig it, but I do I do remember thinking that they were kind of well off. They're kind of a well off family, oh, yeah. and they bought a house where the roof was just immediately leaking. <laughs> like, why, why would you buy a house where the where the roof leaks? Do you know how much it costs to replace a roof? Yeah, that just seems stupid. Either point. he's stupid or. <laughs> Uh, maybe they're not as rich as you think. I, I don't know, but they just—they did come off rich. I don't know. Well, we can assume that they did get a cash settlement for the mother's death, right? Life insurance for that, maybe. But that was, you know, eighteen years ago or sixteen years ago. Um, and I did feel like her big ass home was a nice contrast to Feruza's uh, mobile home, to Nancy's mobile home. You, it did seem like a mansion. Like you never, like I did. never really saw 
the entire thing, so you're not like, oh, yeah, this is a four-bedroom. It, it could have been a, a 20-bedroom house. Yeah, I think you kind of get the vastness of it the most when they have, like, the uh, the snakes and spider glamour scene toward the end where she's being freaked out um, by all the snakes that Nancy's manifesting in her vision. Because um, there's, like, it looked like a, a greenhouse or something because there was a glass ceiling or whatever. I don't know. It seemed... It did seem pretty affluent, a house. Um, also, I did like that they had so many nature shots and outdoor scenes. I think some of my favorite scenes are when they're together out in nature, whether it's like sitting on those like couches by the highway or whatever, or by the, by the urban area. And then, of course, when they're out there putting that spell on. And even at the beach, my favorite part of the craft's ambience is every time they're out in nature, really getting their witch on, I feel like, is the most effective. Was there anything oh, that yeah. stuck out in those nature scenes for you? Uh, I, I did like that there was a couch there. I, when, I, when we grew up in Arizona, there was a, a spot in the desert just everyone kind of knew about. But yeah. it was almost in the, in the middle of the desert. It was just a couch by itself <laughs> like with like a small little campfire that everyone in every surrounding high school kind of knew about. And so it was the most disgusting, <laughs> I'm assuming, semen-filled couch in the world uh. in the middle of the desert. So, but a yeah. hub. A hub of bonding, which uh, I don't know, I related to it. Just nastiness happens, and that. So I get it. I, I like that scene. Uh, one of the th- scene, or yeah, kind of like uh, it was the, it was the morning after she um, summoned Ganon, or not Ganon. That's from Zelda, uh, Manon. Um, and then you see hey. all the dead sharks on the seashore. To me, that was awesome. I felt like that was one of the most uh, interesting visuals in the whole movie. Did that I do anything that for most, you? That was the most impactful because you could tell. Yeah, they, they had killed a bunch of the ocean life for her to get that power. Because what is it, one, uh, you get three back for every one thing you do. That's right, which makes me think that poor Sarah, now that she's also summoned him, she's got some trouble ahead, right? Uh, I don't think so. You don't think so? You think she's just that good of a witch that she's going to be fine? Even though no. she's you know zapping she... trees to scare the other girls away from her house at the end? I think that's de- that might be true. I didn't think about that, but I, I was thinking about the uh, the reverse of that. Because if you're getting, are you getting three back? Like if you do something good, are you gonna get three times as good back? I think so. Okay, so then why would she just? I don't say I don't know. Like why would she go around just giving homeless people thousands of fucking dollars, saving lives, being Jeebus? Yeah, that way you're like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna get millions of dollars back at some point, and I'm never gonna die because I'm. Yeah. Anyway, no, I mean, you're right. She seems overall good. But like you said, she's so uh, lacking emotion throughout it that you don't really know. It feels like she might not do anything with it. You know, she's kind of boring. Um, but setting-wise, I think that's one of the actual stronger points of the movies. What do you give it in pentagrams? I'd, I'd, I'd give it a three. Yeah, I think three is fair. Yeah. Um, okay, we talk about the setting of Scream now. Um, the mood it sets. What sort of mood do you get? Right at the top. Uh... Right at the top. Just immediately. Oh my fun. god! Just absolutely right at the fun. beginning, you hear the phone call over the title. Yeah, like they knew how to bring in a young crowd, man. Just boom, 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 boom. They even had uh, uh, Drew Barrymore at the very beginning. Right, Steven like, Seagal, essentially killed boom. early. A big name you expect to be in the movie long, and then executive yeah. decision. See, this has to come with though the whole the whole thing of the movie though, uh, which we'll get into later. But they brought her in. Uh, because of Hitchcock, for sure. Uh, how so? Uh, the Psycho. They, did, oh, the exact, they okay. did the exact same thing with Psycho. They had a well-known oh, actress right. at the time come in and die early. The that's whole movie right. is a 
I'll get into that later. But yeah, no, it was. They started off great. Yeah, yeah it's, I think name, the actress. best hook of any horror film ever. Oh man, they get you immediately. I was, I was, I remember seeing this movie in 1996 and, and never being bored or like, what's happening? I don't care. Where's my popcorn? True. Mm-mm. You never look at your watch during this movie, even on multiple viewings of it. Um, And they utilize uh, even just Drew Barrymore's house. We talked about uh, briefly Sydney's house. I feel like you see all of it. She's running through the entire thing or she's on the phone at some point in every single room. You really like feel like you're living there with Sydney at times. But I feel like even just in that opening scene of Drew Barrymore's house, we get a really good sense of that. The back porch, the patio area. And then, of course, her front yard where she's hanging from the tree gutted and then her parents are pulling up. I just really like the way Wes Craven, um, and I, I don't should look up who the cinematographer was for this, um, just utilize that space as a whole to kind of like, I don't know, you would think that the more space you're seeing, the less scary it would be because it kind of goes against tradition of claustrophobic, um, but somehow it, it worked. Yeah, they, they utilized it really well. I mean, I think you you got a real sense of it when they were, she's walking through and like locking all the doors and you're like, wow, there's a lot of entries into this. You can get in this house different ways. That's a lot of, scary. of big windows too, right? Like Huge, wall windows. yeah. Um, in terms of just like suburban homes in general, I think what they're trying to do, and we can tap more into this in deeper meaning, is just like showing and highlighting how no one really knows what's going on behind the doors, you know, behind um, the walls, what who people really are behind the masks, sort of thing. I think uh, the way that the actual homes themselves, these suburban units of supposed nuclear bliss turns out to be not the case as we learn from the affairs that led to all the murder ultimately um and and also just in terms of the cinematography and and craven's directing style the aesthetic and the ambience i felt like it was very like glossy and sharp look i feel like this is west west craven at his best in terms of filmmaking oh yeah he he definitely peaked A, a lot of it i think also had to do with um uh uh, what's his name Williamson the writer Williamson? oh yeah Kevin Williamson Kevin Williamson um, he has he has a, a, a finesse with over educated teen dialogue true he's, um, he often is meta he knows what he's doing yeah he self-referential oh, yeah. huge meta you definitely tell it was kind of oh yeah he wrote this and you got to give it up in terms of the setting. Woodsboro is not a place. We know Woodsboro now, you know? The Woodsboro murders. Gail Weathers writes a book about it. You know what I mean? Woodsboro was such an awesome fictional location for me. Super iconic to me. What was the state it was supposed to be in? Mm, good question. I'm assuming South- California. Was it California? I don't know, though. That's, that's a good point. All I know is Woodsboro. Um, and it's always fun to pop into a video store, right? I think that's where we kind of fall in love with Randy's character in the video well, store. Not anymore. It was kind of funny that they did have people just hanging out at a, at a, at a video store. I'm not sure. I love that. That's what I did. I did a shit ton of that. I went. And I, I bought candy. I remember they always had a lot of candy there. I, would I did really- like. I, I did say though when when that was a big thing when I was younger, we would go and I would immediately go to the back room, which is reserved for the horror, like. I loved it. Horror had its own room, like porn? Where I was, yeah. It was like oh, a porn wow. section, but just for horror. No kidding. <laughs> it was fantastic. Damn. They even had a little um, curtain and everything. I don't think I've... Um, I've never seen that. That's. I mean, I guess it makes sense in you know conservative towns or whatever. You're going to not want those kids to see some of those posters of which i also we can go back and talk about how that impacting how impacting that first scene is because drew's on the cover you know what i mean she's on the poster she's what sold people to see the movie to begin with pretty much yeah i think same with psycho right i'm pretty sure the matrix was on uh 
on the, oh yeah the yeah i could be wrong though but i think that's right so between the cop station the high school all the suburban homes and even just like getting a, a grander sense of woodsboro i mean it's 3.5 or 4 for me i don't know how about how about uh, you definitely four for me all right let's give it a four then um okay now we get into the juicy stuff the deeper meanings in the craft what did you see going on there under the surface It's kind of the same with both of these movies, but I don't feel like they dove too deep into what okay. was actually being shown. I mean, the most with the craft, I'd say, was just fitting in, like, like a high school story. Of just yeah, coming of age. Finding Ex- where you should be kind of thing. Right, accepting oneself and your roots. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, I think that was, I, even then, it was, it's still on the surface. And then I, don't, I don't see anything buried too deep. I mean, girl dynamics, maybe um, the the pettiness, and I don't know, just I don't the resent that prettier girls or less attractive girls have for the prettier girls. I I don't know, maybe that's also kind of on the surface. But I thought there was some interesting gender stuff going on there too, where you have Chris's character as kind of the lovesick puppy for the girl who's the one in control, which is usually the opposite, right? Um, but you're right. I think it didn't necessarily have strong metaphor allegory cooking in there. Um, perhaps trusting family over friends, you could argue. And as we talked about before, maybe magic is a metaphor for like drug addiction, you know, because if you remember when they're at Bonnie's home, the mom asks, so you guys getting high in there? And they were like literally getting high with the like a feather or what is it? Light as a feather? Oh, um, yeah. Stiff as a board. I mean, magic as drugs has been a thing in other other uh, incarnations of uh, film and TV involving witchcraft. Yeah. too. So. You can, you can definitely put that drug in the thing in there. What, what I did see, which I think I might have been pushing on this one, was it seemed like the writer or the director was trying to say uh, poor people shouldn't be trusted. <laughs> well, um, it, like, that, there's if you think about it, yeah. because like Feruza Balk, you know, her character, who's the most you know white trash and poor, mm-hmm. the second she gets power, she goes ape shit with it, right? And then you have Robin Tooney, whose character is who seems very privileged. Yeah. You know, as a dad, they simply have money. She just knows how to deal with the power. (laughs) Yeah. I I do. I think that actually points to also, we talked about like just their looks too. I think it's, when you go from one extreme to the other so fast, it's you're going to be corrupted because she was she was ruined in, in multiple sense and then had the whirlwind of pleasure and joy and power and she didn't know how to handle it. Um, be it just, I don't know getting to have Chris there, even though she looked like, uh, when she made herself look like Sarah to get on Chris there at the end. Um, I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying with the poorness. I don't, I don't know if that was a conscious thing, but certainly in her case, um, she was not to be trusted. Uh, one thing I want to mention about what happened that year in 1996, United Nations adopts the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. So in a way, you could kind of like compare... Uh, the magic to science where you take it to an extreme and it can become like super destructive. So kind of in the same way she makes a treaty with Bonnie and Rochelle, sort of like you guys can't do magic anymore. You kind of got I mean, it wasn't conscious when the people were making the movie, but certainly in retrospect, you can look, oh, the nuclear test treaty was was that year. Um, what about lasting impact for you? Yeah, definitely a medium for me. I, I remember the movie. I remember most of the characters. I struggle to remember some of the key points of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I give it a, I'm gonna give it a, like, yeah, medium two, two ish. Great soundtrack though. Am I wrong? Uh, it was pretty good, man. It is. Portishead is in man. there. Portishead. Oh my gosh, I was like, holy crap! 
I like it a thousand times more. I'm giving it an extra star just for uh, the soundtrack. Um, personal connections we kind of talked about. And in, in terms of lasting impact, as I mentioned, I think it is one of the top three most known uh, witch movies ever, right? It, yeah, it probably has to be. It has to be. I can't, I can't only think Hocus of... Pocus and now The Witch. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it's much more popular than Practical Magic, right? I don't know. My brother loves that movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he watches that every every month. I don't know. Oh, um, wow. Uh, well, as far as I know, I as think. As far as is. horror, as far as horror goes, this has to be almost number one. Yeah. Which is horror. Right. Other than so the new that, witch movie. Um, yeah, I mean, for that, I, I get it. I bump it up a bit for that, I guess. And as noted, uh, I was in eighth grade for this one, so I don't think I saw it until it was out on video. Um, but I did see Scream in the theater. But before we start talking about deeper meanings in Scream, what are we going to give the deeper meanings for craft? Uh, I, I started with two, but now that you... You know what? 2.5. 2.5, I think, is fair. And I just think like you could look deeper into like female issues that we might be missing, too. You know what I mean? We just don't have the capacity to understand, maybe, what's going on with some stuff yeah. that might be... Uh, metaphoric. Um, okay, so let's talk about the deeper meanings in Scream. What's the metaphor al- allegory that's going on here? I Again, I don't think there's a lot behind This movie was mostly not about subtext. I feel like this was mostly just about like, homages. And well, just, it's about like, horror movies themselves. There is yeah, that. Uh, yeah, you're, it's just, you're just, because there's so many references to all the horror movies. I can't even, right. it just overwhelms. Almost every line had or well, not every line, every scene had at least something about another horror movie. It was definitely just a throwback or just like a, yeah, yeah just a, a big, almost like Cabin Fever before, ca- no, not Cabin mm. Fever, what was it, Cabin uh, Cabin in the Woods? Okay. Similar to Cabin in the Woods, just not, you know, to that extent. Right, because um, Cabin in the Woods is kind of like a multi, multi-genre too. This is, this is a pretty straight slasher, uh, epitome of slasher. Um, yeah. But like I talked about with the house situation, it's, I think it's really about just not knowing the people that are closest to you, even though you think you should. She didn't know her mom was having an affair. She didn't know her boyfriend was a murderous killer. You can't judge a book by a cover sort of thing. Um, and I think it ultimately has to do with loneliness, too. I think uh, Stu and Billy and Nev Campbell's Sydney, they're all very lonely characters. And if her mom was having an affair, that speaks to the disconnect between her and her father. Um, I think I think loneliness is at the heart of, of Scream and why people do what they do. Uh, I also think that the fact that it does do so much analyzing of the horror genre puts it in its own like echelon, its own category altogether. And you can't deny female empowerment when we get when we talked about Sydney being a final girl. That she's she's one of the most kick-ass final girls ever, and it has to do specifically with her not following gender norms, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- yeah, now that you're talking about the deeper meanings, I, I guess I did see a lot more about um, just kind of the there's like no yeah none of the characters really had con, a lot like deep solid connections with each other. It mm-hmm. all just seemed very them trying to find themselves and just being concerned about themselves more than anything, right? Well, yeah, high school kids, right? Super selfish. You know, they only kind of see themselves as even, uh, characters even, in even their the, lives. Even the adults are that way too. True, mostly. Um, yeah, no, that does make sense. They're kind of all like stock characters, and that's part of the meaning in it in itself. Is you have these more characters than actual people, you know, um, than actual humans. Um, commentary on the times. The only thing that I kind of saw, mad cow disease, was all the rage during the summer previous to this. Uh, so you could kind of argue like 
Stu is infected by Billy and horror movies. Stu is kind of the one that's just like, I don't know. Stu is so hard to understand. That's why I wish he did come back for the third and had survived the TV smash to the head so we could understand his character a little bit better. Dude, he, he might have had Matt cow disease. He was drooling. <laughs> he drooled a lot kind of at the end of that. Yes. Are you going to tell me, Mom? Yeah. Is that, is that a sign of Matt cow disease drooling? Uh, frothing at the mouth? I don't know. That might Maybe. be that's probably rabies. Um, uh, but he, oh, man. This movie has so many good just one-liners. True. And, and a lot of them were stews. Oh, yeah. My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> uh, lasting impact. I think this one's kind of obvious, right? We got three sequels, three TV series. Blumhouse now wants to buy the property, I heard. I mean, by itself, it's a four. I mean, take out the rest yep. of them. This could have, they they could have made anything else, and this would have been this would have stand the, the test of time for me. True. If anything, two and three take away from how good oh, it is. Three, does, you know? three actually took it down for me. I'd give it a five if I could. Three, three ruined it. Three has some some fun characters though. You got Putty from Seinfeld, um, and you got Parker Posey in it. So, some of the newer characters added to three make up for how shitty the end is. Oh wait, maybe um, I'm thinking of two then. I think two is the one that really pissed me off. The one that took out Skeet and uh, 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 Matthew Lillard's uh, uh, all together, like they just made them useless almost. The second one, right? This one where the guy had made it was his idea to do it. That's the second one, maybe. Oh uh, well, in the second one you have the mother, and I can't remember. Oh, it was the third one. Never mind. I am pissed off the third one. You're right. Oh yeah, yeah. And the third one, yeah, because he's the son. He's her brother in the third one. Uh, yeah, the end shit. of the third one's it's super shitty, and frankly, I mean, I kind of liked uh, the, the mother angle in that second one because it was kind of connected to the mother angle in the first one. Um, but you ruined the first. Four is good. I like four. I think they came back strong with four. Yeah, um, they, they stuck to stuck to the roots of what what should be going on there. Um, in terms of deeper meaning, it sounds like I found more than you did. What are we talking three? Yeah, you talked me up two or three. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, Fright Factor for the craft. Let's finish off the craft here. Um, we have only three kills. Quality of kills, what was your favorite kill? I don't even really remember any of the kills. I, I, the, so you got the homeless guy at the beginning. Yeah, you got I think Ulrich maybe falling out the window. Skeet Ulrich out the window, and then the heart attack for the stepdad. Yeah, that one didn't bother me. I think, I think <laughs> it was the Skeet falling out the window. Because she was just floating across to him, and it was just like... Because he was like, I'm sorry, and then he still died. Like, he apologized, and he still died. Which yeah, it was kind of neat when ter- she's, like, floating and just, like, dragging the tips of her toes and going up to him, and she has, like, this you're the whore moment, which I thought was pretty good. Can you um, just imagine being at a party where all of a sudden some dude just falls out of a window and dies, and then you hear people screaming? Like, that? that's pretty horrific. Yeah, yeah. No, the, where it took place... Granted, I feel like Scream 2, the way that Cece is thrown out a window, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character in Scream 2 has a much more effective out-the-window death than, than Skeet does. But, I mean, of the three, that's probably the most uh, affecting. But the lead-up to the homeless one, where he sees her on the street and is saying, I had a dream about you. I mean, he's carrying the snake. That, to me, is like probably the scariest moment in the whole thing. Like a homeless guy with a snake running down the street after you, saying he wants to talk to you. Come back, I'm going to talk to you. I don't know. It wasn't super scary movie for me, but those sort of like homeless people are super crazy at I, times. Um, so, you know. I wasn't scared. I was just like, why does this homeless guy have so many snakes? <laughs> well, the confusion of that alone is a little a little scary. Um but yeah, I, I hear you. As a whole, I was not super scared, even in that final battle. Not not so great. Um, I guess 
when you see Nev Campbell with the scars over her face looking in the mirror. It's kind of freaky. Um, but yeah. Uh, not, oh, not... that scene. Oh, uh, the both of them, right? When they walk by the the, the mirror. Yeah, actually, you got to give that, that credit. That seemed... I didn't like that that moment. It was such a, yo, we got to get rid of these two. How do you get rid of these two? Let's just... Uh... I, yeah, I don't like the way they were discarded. That's true. But the makeup there was pretty gross. And I do think, like, losing your hair the way that both the girls ultimately are shown doing, that's pretty gross. That's pretty scary. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm horrible. Knowing, knowing how they're feeling, uh, that, that got to me. Especially, yeah, when she, she gets out of the water at the pool, ultimately Christine Taylor's bully girl, and she's just like, I don't know. It's it's a typical trope, but it, it's pretty. I mean, when you that does hit home. I know it hits home for you. It, it hit home. It's hitting home for me right now because I feel like my hair's coming out in chunks. No. <laughs> so maybe someone gave me a wish a year ago because that's what it started. <laughs> We've been cursed. Who cursed us, Kirsty? Oh, um, off a few people. Fright factor on this, like one five maybe or only one. Yeah, I'd say. I think the sharks alone is worth a point. The sharks on the on the. On the shore, that is freaky to me, um, and the hair falling out. One, just a one. Yeah, I give it a one. I give it. A one. I give it a one too. Um, okay, uh, fry factor for scream. We only have five kills. Am I wrong? Let's go through them. You have the boyfriend of Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore. Um, I mean, ar- arguably you could say Maureen, even though we don't see that happen. That's still a kill of Billy and, and Stews. Um, then you have the principal, and yeah. Rose McGowan. Is that it? That's oh fine. yeah, I mean you have, I mean you have you Stu and, and uh, Stu and Billy, sure. Right? But in terms of who they kill, but you're right, and both of their kills are, are pretty fun. No, no, the the reporter, the reporter's cameraman. Oh, the reporter's cameraman. That one snuck by me. You're right. You're right. Okay, so we got six. Um, I don't know if the reporter's cameraman was that scary to me though. He no, dude, but that was that was the most meta scene in the whole movie though. Remind me how that kill goes down. It you know it's it uh, it it blow it kind of hurts your head sometimes. It's it's the killer going up to Jamie who's watching Jamie Lee Curtis who's saying, "Look behind you, Jamie. Oh. Look behind you. Whose name is Jamie? Oh, okay. <laughs> Jamie, look behind you." And then they're watching him saying, "Jamie, look behind you." And then at some point, I'm pretty sure I told that guy, "Yo, dude, look behind you." <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that scene again. Um, yeah, I mean it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. Fun. Um, and of course, I feel like it does have a theme song that's pretty iconic too. Certainly more than the craft. The craft had a great um, soundtrack, rather uh, the score for Scream when it has its own music. I think is, is pretty. Even powerful. the soundtrack is good. I had the Scream yeah. soundtrack, and I Pink Floyd's to that on in the it. Regular. Can't go wrong. Uh, Bird Brain. They had uh, the Blue, Blue Oyster Cult might be on there too. I could be nice. wrong on that one. But they had, yeah, they had just some great songs. Some very uh, scenic and impactful songs. True. Yeah, thematically appropriate too. Usually when they're played, I remember, because um, oh yeah, uh, I know the Floyd was played uh, "Brick in the Wall" or whatever when they get out of school. Right? We don't need no education when they're all sent home because of the deaths. Scariest scene. Um, uh, this one I, I think I have to think about this one. I mean, that first scene actually was. was I pretty, think so too. I think you can't scary. top that, especially the way that they're both gutted. Right? He's gutted, tied up to the chair. Her boyfriend. Yeah. And then the way that that uh, camera uh, ultimately uh, goes up to her while she's hanging, it feels like it's a ghost moving, the way that the camera here's, moves. Here's two things I remember from that first scene alone, was they had to edit it, edit the their both their deaths. Um, because in, in the original, before they had to edit it out, it was going to get like an NC-17 rating. 
um, you actually when was it Steve? That's the boyfriend. Yeah. Name, right? right. When he got gutted in the in the when they first made it. You could see the guts actually fall out. I swear to God, I saw that, um, though. No, no. And this, you see it kind of swing. Uh, it's still oh. moving, but they had cut right before it actually, like, had fallen out, I, I believe. And then when they were showing um, uh, Drew Barrymore's death, the pan was originally a lot slower. So you oh. got to really see it go in, and, the, and they had to speed it up to avoid the NC-17 rating, which actually oh. speeded up, I think, was almost better than... Yeah, me too. Because yeah, it felt like a spectacle. Well, I would have matter. loved to have seen. They probably have a, a version that I did see. Maybe they I'm going to be looking that up immediately after this now. <laughs> the, the, the I want to see that out. gut spill. Um, um, so I want to give it a four, but I got to say, just based on the Rose McGowan bad animatronics and getting caught in the garage, getting caught in the garage door, not that took me out a little bit. That's why I'd give it a three point five. I don't, you can try and talk me into four. Um, I mean. Yeah, I think I should. This is Scream we're talking about. Yeah, well, it's not it's, a perfect it's movie. Pretty it's pretty close gore. to it's perfect. Per- it's not perfect. As far as, a, as far as a horror movie goes, it's up there. Top five, I Did think. Did that garage scene work for you, though? Especially for the 90s. Um, n- no, it was goofy. First off, a, Her character was a too garage to door. That way. A garage door would not have gone up. It would have stopped. You can't pick up that much weight. And What's especially enough weight name? to Shoot. snap her neck. Uh, Matt, uh, was it Rose McGowan? Tatum. Tatum. First time I've ever heard that name, too. I oh, love that name. Here's some things. Yeah, you know Billy Loomis's name? You know Loomis? Yeah. You know, that's the throwback to Halloween? Um, no. Dr. Loomis. Loomis. Oh, Dr. Dr. Loomis in Halloween. Good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't realize that. Is there anything in else this movie, going on? Oh, dude. Every turn of the corner in this movie, there's a reference to a different horror movie. They even called, uh, they even referenced uh, Carpenter as Wes Carpenter instead of John Carpenter. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember that. All right, which screw is, it. We'll give it a four. It's one anyways. The bell has rung. Yeah. Scream is clearly the most iconic of 1996, kind of by a lot. If you look at anything else, Kraft is really the only one that could have contended, and it has two of the same actors, Skeet and Nev, but... Certainly, Scream wins the day. Um, any final comments on why why you think Scream deserved it? It kind of just it revitalized the slasher horror movies. I mean, it kind of had died with you know Jason doing like its umpteenth. Do one you like any slasher more at this point? Because this is an old movie now. Is this still um, your number one slasher? This still might be my number one slasher movie. I mean, unless you can think of one that I'm not thinking of. I don't. I can't. One, I, I think it's probably first. the best. I mean, uh, yeah. I, think, uh, I mean, this I, is kind of... It's not making fun of slasher movies, but it definitely... It knows it's a slasher movie, and it just brings kind of intelligence to it, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Brings no, I, to it. I, I, I mean, I really love I Know What You Did Last Summer, but it's got such a shittier Which is also guy. written by the same guy. By Kevin, Kevin Williamson. Williamson again, yeah. yeah. Um, but this some is awesome way kills in that, But it is way better. Scream. I think Scream takes a cake. I don't know how you... How you really compete with it. Uh, anyways, well, congratulations, Scream. And I want to thank Scott for being um, a very gracious co-host as usual. And um, your enthusiasm for Scream um, is very obvious. And we definitely love to hear um, when when the co-host loves one of the movies specifically. It, it, much better than Puppet Master, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Well, uh, did you want to let people know how to follow you on social media? At, at Stupid Consumer. Probably on Instagram would be the best way. 
at stupid consumer on Instagram or at BM underscore bucket. Oh, I, at Twitter. I think it's just BM bucket. Is it just BM bucket? Because there is somebody yeah. else with BM bucket. You might be the BM bucket. <laughs> I think I'm the BM bucket. Yes, you're the BM bucket. Um, and of course, if you want to support the podcast, please uh, check out my novel, Company Dreamer, um, at companydreamer.com. And on October 16th, CompuDact will be releasing its third album. So keep an ear out for that. Um, and again, this has been the Icon Showdown podcast. The bell has rung. <laughs>